0: And Good afternoon. It's 5 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up on the show today in the first hour... After airing the bulk of uh, the September 22nd 100,000 Poets for Change event it held at the Spire over the course of the last few weeks, Uh, you'll hear the final two unaired readings from it. Uh, Those are Alyssa Cooper's and mine. And then following that, a reading uh, by Amy Berry as accompanied uh, on guitar uh, by Amy. Angela Bannon. Uh, That was actually recorded in Ireland, and uh, following that, uh, you'll hear a September 18th uh, book launch at Novel Idea Bookstore in which Maureen Garvey uh, launched her book and uh, Almost Invisible, and we'll be reading there. In the second hour, from the September 5th reading in the monthly and the Journey Continues open mic reading series, you'll hear readings by Joan Satchwell, Mickey Lee Webb, David Wright, Kai Pierce, Sarah Entage, Ann Graham, Bethany Knapp, Brent Moore, Jenny Marshall, uh, Morgan, uh, Morgan, Can- Morgan Chin Yee, sorry, couldn't read my own writing, and uh, Sasha Hill. Uh, this first, though, usual hourly announcement. Occasionally some poetry spoken or music played on this show may contain... Strong language, but all played in its entirety with content and edited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. Uh, I do have a number of uh, calls and events I'd like to, I think I'll have a chance to share at the end of both hours today, so stick around for that. And, uh... So let's go ahead and just jump into it as a complete uh, the airing of the full afternoon and evening sessions of the 100,000 Poets for Change event held at the Spire on September 22nd and uh, featuring two dozen poets and four musical acts. Uh, here is the next to the last reading that will air. Here is Alyssa Cooper. Up next, Alyssa Cooper is a comedian author and poet published in 2008, she is the author of four novels, a short story collection, and two poetry collections. As well as having her work included in various local and international publications. An active spoken word performer, she currently holds an executive position in the Kingston Poetry Collective and the Queen's Poetry Slam Planning Committee. Let's bring up Alyssa Cooper.
1: narratives that are scary or uncomfortable as well as the ones that are inspiring. So I've switched out my happy inspiring poem with a less so. <laughs> so this is called Mania in three parts. Part one, 2010. Dad comes home at 3 p.m. with no shit. He's laughing like he's been drinking rocket fuel. There are lightning bolts cascading between his teeth. He's laughing because he got into a fight with a boy lying. And one, Through his fists like hammers, left his mark on the world like carving through fields with the blade of a hoe, and he's laughing because he can't even remember why. Dad wakes up at 3 a.m. to ask if I want to go for a ride, and his eyes are on fire. We pile into the flashy new sports car that he can't afford, and it smells like Synthetic and electric. I am half asleep and half afraid. I can smell coals smoldering under his diaphragm, and he turns up the radio as loud as it will go.
2: This song, he says, driving
1: faster than I thought possible, laying rubber on pavement like we are a paintbrush, leaving pieces of ourselves behind. He says, Have you heard? He tries to turn it up as if maybe I've gone deaf, as if I am not responding because it's not loud enough, and he curses when the overworked speakers won't respond. This fucking song, he says. Downtown, he screams to a stop. He is a banshee. He swings his keys around his finger, and he wears his mania like tattered robes. And I watch from the passenger seat as he hands out gift bags to. They are full of warm socks and soft pajamas, things he imagines that they must be in need of, and he expects nothing in return, because being crazy cannot override being kind. He offers a woman covered in scabs a ride to the coffee shop, gives her the money to buy what she needs, and on the way, she tells us about the bugs that live and crawl and squirm just beneath the surface of her skin. A week later, Dad will admit himself to the psych ward. A Herculean decision made in a moment of irreversible clarity, and they will keep him for three days. They will dress him in blue pants and paper shoes, monochromatic. They will paint him into a rain cloud. They will not laugh him to shave, and he will look like a stranger, with the beard shadowing his face. They will give him pills in paper cups to help him sleep for the first time in eight days. They will strap his screaming. To a chair and leave him there between the beds, and then they will wonder why the pills aren't working. I will visit and we will stare at each other like statues, mouths carved of stone, tongueless. We will stand like monuments, and neither one of us will have words for the things that we feel. People told me my entire life that. I was just like him. A Xerox copy, a dictated letter, his imperfect little clone differentiated by a single row chromosome. That was before he went crazy, of course, but it's too late to take it back now. Part 2, 2012. I'm wearing shorts for the first time in 10 years. Strangers stare when I walk by. They whisper voices like whispers. Of smoke, like whips kissing at the exposed skin of my thighs, and they see nothing but bones and scars. They see a body without a casket. They Countries with shattered borders. They don't know what it is to throw yourself into pain because at least pain is not nothing. And how do you describe the face of God to someone who has lived their entire life in the dark? Doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, doesn't matter if you're reciting scripture or screaming heresy. People don't listen when your eyes are on fire. They don't hear the words when you are sickness. On your skin, sadness on your bones, they will beg you to let them save you. As if it could ever be that easy. And I think of my father held for three days without razors or t-shirts, held until the light went out of his eyes, and his skin turned as blue as his paper shoes held until he turned down the radio and threw. i will never ask for help i will wear my bones and my scars i will let them hit me let them whisper and i will never let them save me i'm only gonna two parts I can wait for the third part uh, just to keep to the time uh, so the second one i'm gonna do this is a little less depressing hopefully um, this is Man presses fists through paper walls. He is wet at the mouth all tooth and claw, trusting in some unspoken instinct that promises sweetness. On the other side, he barely feels the stings, barely sees the warriors falling dead at his feet. He tears through honeycomb in search of gold, and he is willing to drown in the flow. Later, when he sucks the stingers from his swollen flesh, they will taste sweet. Two. Summer sticky in the August night, I watch the people two full floors up flick cigarette butts over balcony baskets.
3: They streak across velvet sky like fireflies, like shooting stars, alone in the dark,
1: I make wishes. Let them lift the firebag. Let us decay gracefully. Let us not burn in the coming end. Three. The day crowd at the pub is quiet. A single TV plays silent. Sweating pints he rings on a bar. A blur of yellow batters the window above my booth. He beats himself against the glass. Not stupid or stubborn, just alone and confused. There is nothing so transparent his world. How is he to know how windows work? How is he to comprehend any emotion more complex than this desperate need for, es- for escape? Flagged down, friendly bartender, he is tall and loud, stretch long like taffy, and just as sweet a mile for an empty cup and a coaster. He brings them to me. Watches as I kick off my shoes, climb up on his booth, both arms above my head, and up the It's a hornet, you know. As if he thinks he can coax me back into my seat. Four. Halfway down, this street changes names. Same green grass, same gray pavement, but with a single step, you wind up someplace different. No flashing lights or waving flag, just a small green sign on a rusted pole that warns this is where the street's. On one side is home, and on the other is oblivion. And you best choose wisely, because around here we don't backtrack. Five. It's a hornet, he says, not a bee. As if the only lives worth saving are those that are useful to me. As if a creature can not be measured by that which provides. But imagine the death he will die if I. And for all his trepidation, when I slide coaster between glass and glass, my taffy sweet bartender smiles. You've done this before, he says, as I carry cup to doors and my castaway home, and he. You are eight years old, and the bumblebee is drunk on the strawberry stick of your condition. That's aeronautical impossibility, Wings too small to fly, he flies just fine, to see, it's the landing that's the problem. The wind won't stop moving, his morning glory, not purple like the ones that your father grows, not the size of The bumblebee dips and weaves, trapped in an exhausting dance with a partner that just won't stand still. And so you steady the vine. He lands, he folds his cellophane wings, and he drinks. You can see the stinger through the fur, a single point of threatening light. It was a bee, just like the swan that stung your mother.
0: And you just heard Alyssa Cooper and her reading in the evening portion of the 100,000 Poets for Change event held here on April 22nd at the Spire. Up next, and it will be the final reading from that event. Uh, Here's my own reading that evening. And I'll be the final uh, reader tonight, and then following me uh, will be uh, Erwin Street uh, with a set of music. And uh, I realized after I'd everybody to send me a bio for uh, the the night tonight, I didn't compose one for myself. So what I'm going to do in lieu of that is uh, yesterday as I was uh, choosing what I was going to read uh, and uh, saw that it was a bit dark, I uh, remembered my very first final essay. I didn't know what i was doing and even included as i recall some poetry in it and uh i confessed at the bottom of it that i'd always been optimistic but i was growing pessimistic and i worried about that and uh, i still remember his comment he wrote at the bottom a very kind professor uh, he said uh, a little bit of pessimism is a healthy thing just don't let it develop into cynicism and I worried as I looked at what I brought that I had done that. <laughs> First poem is called Robotization. It was inevitable. It has been long becoming. Technology rules. I stand at a red light on a crosswalk. The big orange hand on the pole across the street, telling me to wait. I look, no cars, in any direction, for blocks. I cross the street instead, look back in disbelief to those still standing there, motionless, watching that big orange hand. My fear less the robotization in and of the world, workplace and home, but more that in our encouraging and then the embracing of it all, we become them. It's called Machines. I sit in the corner of a cafe, nothing here, now, but memories of that noise belching, of those noise belching machines, those that used to sit and do their work here, their work of turning air into noise, of turning time into dollars. And the machines believed in their noise so much they made more and more and ever lost in that never-ending noise made excuses for it, tolerated it, but even a small child knew better, and then one day a child climbed over the top and unplugged them, and she so quick we did not even notice what she had done until it was done. And so quick as well to leave that as she walked away there was no time to gather our thoughts and in an instant she was gone. We did not thank her, did not even ask her name, But we thought about her here in this mesmerizing silence sense. We have heard tales though now from other places telling of a small child with no name with no place traveling these lands and unplugging all the machines of the world this is called wind and time the wind brisk gusting, leans loosened poles and leaf-laden trees. It will have its way with them, with us. One day when all poles have fallen in their archaic antiquity, the gusting wind will still tip the tops of trees. The sun and rain will fall on them in those times between. And earth will have long forgotten us all. On a morning walk, early morning, dead black squirrels on the side of this well-traveled city street. There is a long story about this street, its history. There are other stories related about rural migration, urban growth, immobile society, all stories but preface to this and none as important as that longer story in even just the last minute of a young animal's life, here this morning, lost in that minute, in the black hours before, in the dark of night, a black city street almost lifeless, a black squirrel lifeless becoming. Both here in it, nameless. Tattoo. We will have name, we have sorry, we will have tattooed our names into the flesh of the earth. It will take many lifetimes for that image to fade millennium for the full wounds to heal but the skull will ever remain and my final poem is uh, called Great Day and after I read that uh, Irwin will come up and I will come back up to the mic and remove the podium and I uh, Him the proper introduction. But before I do that, we've heard some wonderful, wonderful readings and performances today, this afternoon, and this evening. Let's give everybody a here and away. Grey day. A day outside, grey, beautiful in itself. Somewhere above it, science and memory say there is a sun. But there have been other voices, stronger, longer. And I am here in an almost stillness, listening to those quieter voices, those just above silent and I remain here in that soft murmuring for as long as I can. But as this café fills and conversation within multiplies, each voice competing with all those beside, I shall escape their loud mutterings, their logic and persuasion, and will find instead outside this door on the other side of the river, a quiet path. And there simply listen to the other language of river, tree, rock. was my reading, and the final one in the September 22nd 100,000 Poets for Change event held here in Kingston at the Spire, uh, did, And uh, it is tied to the global 100,000 Poets for Poets for Change events held in late September around the world every, uh, every year. So up next, going to jump across the water speaking around the world uh i want to mention that kingston is truly an incredible place with a wealth of its uh, its own literary talent here definitely a, a spot visitors come through to launch or read or to be uh, a part of a number of events here and uh, we're quite blessed in that it's almost more than i can either attend or bring uh, uh, or record and bring to the show but uh I do as well, though, uh, really through this show, have a number of people around the world who listen to it, and uh, I've made com- connections with and, and formed friendships with uh, mm-hmm. some of them, and one of whom is a poet in Ireland. Uh, she sent me a clip of a reading she did, and I'd like to include it here. So sort of, I guess, is a bit of an intro, Amy Berry, uh, uh, who lives in Ireland, writes uh, poems and short stories uh, she explores uh, current issues, love, family, nature, death, and other places, and loves to travel. Uh, she says she's published uh, globally in anthologies, journals, press, and e-zines. Her uh, poems have been translated into Italian, Turkish, German, Romanian, Malay, and uh, Persian. Uh, her visits uh, to places like India, Nepal, China, Japan, Paris, Berlin, Budapest, Uh, And Falkenberg all have infused her work. Uh, She won first prize in English poetry at the PAU uh, World Poetry Day 2017 uh, with her poem called Mother. And she received uh, the Neruda Award in 2017 in poetry in Crispiano, Italy. Uh, she often reads at literary festivals, events in Ireland and abroad, and her poem, and the one you're going to hear here now, actually, titled uh, Between Captivity and Via Maria, was awarded highly commended poetry at the Cheerscale International Literary Festival. Uh, I have 2017 here. I think that's right. It could be actually this this year. Anyway, my apologies for that, but uh, and that's held at uh, Roscommon, Ireland. So here, and she sent me a clip of this, so I'm going to air it here as recorded, I believe, on October 20th, uh, and it was a collaborative performance with uh, Angela Bannon, uh, who is uh, uh, a musician who often accompanies her. With her readings, but here is again with guitarist Angela Bannon, poet Amy Berry.
3: On cracked farmlands of ancient olive, thin cactus blossom preen themselves, exhibit the softwares. Masseria's are hotbed, and we are expected to play. Drizzled in musical sweat, we dance, swayed, on a terra we with tasted wine and cheese, tapas like pleasure goes. Along the Mediterranean shore, wild and awake. strangers almost lovers on neutral ground. Sometimes we forget our vows, love sick and never free. Thank you for listening.
0: just heard Amy Berry with Angela Bannon on guitar accompanying and uh, collaborating with her and uh, her as uh, her with her on her winning poem in the highly commended category again of the Cheerscale Literary Festival in Ireland and recorded this one uh, this time on October 20th. Uh, she also asked that I mentioned she has a blog space at, and I'm going to spell it out B O R N E O P E T A L dot blog com And she's also on Twitter at amyberry 12 and that's capital A and B in those one word and is on Facebook as well. Does have a chapbook called Spearing dreams out and, uh, it can be ordered, uh, and uh, I believe if you email her at M I N E A I N I at com, you can also probably also find more information at any of those, uh, the blog space, Twitter, or Facebook as well. So anyway, that was kind of cool from around the world. Uh, it just shows uh, what uh, this radio station is, a worldwide... Uh, network now with uh, www.cfrc.ca tell you what i need to do this so i will right now here we go
4: friday evenings at 6 p.m here on cfrc listen to saltwater music a show covering all musical genres from the east coast of canada celtic of course but also rock jazz blues folk and a lot more I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30
5: Newfoundland. If there's a listener-supported radio station, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world, not just what the corporate media want you to see, but a different picture, a different understanding, a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh, human, you know. That's the way you become Human participants in a a social and political system.
0: Folk Everything, every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says
6: red molly to James, that's a fine motorbike.
7: Walk Home is one of the services provided to you by the Alma Mater Society at Queen's University. Home is a completely confidential and anonymous service where students will pick you up and walk you to any location within our extensive boundaries. We are located in the Lower Cayley of the John Deutsch University Centre. You can request a walk by dropping by the kiosk or by calling 613-533-9255 during our hours of operation. We are open every night from dusk till 2am, Sunday to Wednesday, or till 3am from Thursday to Saturday. During exam season, we are open until 4am. Last year, we completed over 10,000 walks, walking the equivalent distance of crossing the width of Canada and back. So whether you're feeling unsafe, want someone to walk with after a night at the library, or feel more comfortable walking downtown with someone, call Walk Home. If you have any questions about the service, please feel free to contact us by calling 613-533-9255 or by emailing walkhome at ams.queensu.ca.
0: And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. So coming up next, we're going to jump back over across to... uh, Across the ocean and back into Kingston and from a September book launch and reading uh, by Maureen Garvey uh, held at Novel Idea Bookstore and as emceed and introduced by Shelley Tanaka, here is Maureen Garvey.
8: Thank you all for coming, everybody. Um, My name is uh, Shelley Tanaka, and I'm the fiction editor at Groundwood Books, which means that I have had the very great pleasure of working with Maureen Garvey on two novels. Um, The first, some years ago, was George Johnson's War, which she co-wrote with uh, Mary Beatty. It is still, in my opinion, Uh, one of the best works of Canadian historical fiction for young readers. Uh, Maureen has also uh, written two other books for young adults, Lake Rules and Amy by any other name, and a book for adult readers called Withdrawn from Circulation. But I have to say that she has outdone herself with her new book, Almost Invisible. When I first um, got to know Maureen, I assumed, like maybe many of you also did, that she was very much the way she appeared to be. (laughs) (laughs) As as lovely as her smile, gentle, unassuming, hardworking, non-confrontational... So it was a little bit of a surprise to me to learn that Maureen is actually a very fearless and risk-taking writer. She is not afraid to poke the beast, and she is not afraid to tackle subjects that are tricky and even um, uncomfortable. Almost Invisible takes place right here in Kingston. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you will recognize. are all in it. You're all in it. Actually, we are all in it. And um, it's a little bit disconcerting to find yourself in this book, and you will, I promise. Um, it features a lot of the familiar uh, neighborhoods and landmarks that uh, we all know. The Student Ghetto, White Mountain Ice Cream. Mm. The Winston Churchill School, City Park, Gould Lake Conservation Area, um, the bus station, even the surly ticket guy at the bus station, um, and that very weird um, gas station, convenience store up at Division and uh, the 401, aptly named On the Run. And um, you'll find out why that name is apt uh, if you by the book, but (laughs) Kingston is more than just, I think, the setting uh, for this book, Um, because the story is really about the peculiar place that Kingston is, and the way that different socioeconomic layers uh, meet and intersect within a very small geographical area. And you only have to walk Four blocks that way, or four blocks that way, (laughs) to know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, The novel raises some unsettling questions about what we choose to pay attention to and what we choose to ignore in our town, and what happens when our teenagers decide to notice things that we do not, Mm -hmm. and when they decide to uh, look after themselves and each other, and to take matters into their own hands without the benefit of adult wisdom or (laughs) advice. So if you know any young readers, I would say age 11 and up, give them this book, read it yourself, and then talk to them about it. Um, it's smart, it's funny, it's informative. You will learn, among other things, how to re the hair of an old Barbie doll. <laughs> um, it's also very, very moving. I think I've read this novel maybe ten times and I still reach for the Kleenex when I get to chapter eight. Uh, it's a novel that's uh, timely, it's provocative, And it's important, and Groundwood Books is very proud to be the publisher of Almost Invisible by our own Maureen Garvey.
9: We're starting a little bit we're starting a little bit early tonight because you're not mingling. You're sitting on chairs. <laughs> and we, we understand what the motivation is that you needed to get a seat. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I'm finished, you're all supposed to talk to each other. I right? <laughs> <laughs> um, mingled before, Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> <We> did. <laughs> you did. You did, Lori, but not everybody did. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Thank you so much, all of you, for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, it's just like very exciting to see some of the faces here. Well, all of the faces here. I didn't mean to make any exceptions. Um, (laughs) uh, I I have an acknowledgments in the back, in which I thank a number of people who are here tonight. Uh, Ellie, for example. Bonnie and Annie, for example. Um, uh, I don't thank Malcolm, but next time I will. <laughs> <Malcolm. laughs> <laughs> uh, Leila, my daughter and my partner George, who is over there, um, and we were waiting for George to start because he was at the movies So priorities. He, <laughs> <laughs> But, and, and partic- well, Oscar and Joanna, I should have thanked them before because uh, Oscar and Joanna are just about on the verge of Writers' Fest, which has got to be uh, an exhausting um, uh, production, and he, they've managed to get the chairs out for tonight. And I particularly want to thank Shelley because. I mean, there's one of the really good reasons for writing a book is uh, for the absolute hope that you might get Shelley to edit it. it <laughs> yes. You can see why I think that. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd like to um, read a little bit of the book. Um, this, this story started in a kind of a strange way. I think everybody here tonight will remember that awful incident in which a family decided to put three of their daughters and uh, Mm -hmm. another family member into um, the water at Kingston Mills. Mm -hmm. And it was really horrifying, I think, for us all. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it, trying to figure out how... I mean, because I am a mother, how possibly someone who had children could take that little care of what happened to her children. And I, I thought finally that... Well, not finally, that, that I think there's still an awful lot to think about with that whole episode. Um, that that was, a, that, was, that was a couple, that was a, a, a mother... Uh, who really shouldn't have had children? She was somebody who valued men very highly for their power. We don't know the kind of trauma that was in her life, but whatever it was, it left her without the um, uh, the ability to protect her own children. Now, I I move quite a long way from that story, certainly in this in this book, but it was the germ of the story in the first place.
3: <laughs> um,
9: this child in this story is 13. She comes from a very dysfunctional family, uh, and she, her older sister has run away. Her, she has a younger brother who really seems to be somewhere on the autism spectrum. She's been very committed to looking after this brother, but a few things happen that mean that she can't stay in the family any longer. She runs away. She runs... <laughs> She goes past the um, convenience store and ends up walking. She looked up Gould Lake on the uh, Google and it said that she could walk there in five hours, but it turns out to be really quite a long ways. So she's there for a while until she runs out of food, and the part that I'm going to uh, read out tonight is the part where she comes back to town. And this is in the voice of Jewel, who is the main character. Uh, there are two voices in here. The other main character, well, the other narrator is um, one of the girls who finally figure out what's going on with Jewel. So this is Jewel. I started walking, and all I look back when I got to the turn. My mossy-roofed roof, hands and grattle house was still peeking out of the woods, with my one set of tracks leading away from it. Then I couldn't see it anymore. Most of the snow was melted again, except in the woods, but I could see that nobody had been driving on this road or walking. The only tracks I saw were from deer or animals like squirrels. A robin flew across in front of me, and that surprised me because I forgot that it was spring. My ankle was pretty well back to normal, though I was a bit worried it would get sore again walking. Scary to think what kind of shape I was in when I got there that night. I could have frozen to death. It seemed almost like it happened to another person like it was a really long time ago. I felt like I was a lot older now and stronger and smarter because I looked after myself for ten whole days with no help from anybody. Only, I wished I had the faintest idea what I was going to do next. You'd have thought with all that time I would have worked something out, but I didn't. The only reason I was leaving now was that my food ran out. I have to figure out what to do once I got wherever I was going. One thing for sure, I wasn't going home. Not just because of Eddie, but all the other things. Dad really beat me up bad the other time I ran away and I wasn't away even for a whole day. What would he do to me for being gone 10 days? That other time he went nuts because I brought the police sniffing around. He and Mom hated it when cops or CAS or like that showed up. I wondered if the CAS went around to check on Nico. I wondered if the police were looking for me now. I was quite a ways out to the highway when it started to rain. A car came up behind me, and I moved off to one side. It pulled up even, and when I looked in the window, my heart dropped. It was that same lady who wanted to give me a ride on the way in. She rolled down the car window. Where are you going? To town? Hop in. It's going to come down harder. This time I got in. I didn't get any kind of bad feeling off of her. I wasn't looking forward to walking all the way back to Kingston. Now I knew how far it was, especially in the rain. Up close, she looked older than Mrs. Morgan or Mom, but not that old. She had gray hair, straight and cut, sort of cool, not old ladyish, blue eyes and glasses. My name's Leora, she said. Didn't I see you walking in a week back or so? You've been here all this time? Yeah. I told her I was staying with my sister. I've been helping her with the new baby, but I have to go back to school now. You're gonna be late then, she said, it's nearly nine. I know, but my sister gave me a note for the office. Her car broke down. Which place is hers, she asked. She was very nosy. I sort of waved my hand behind me. I said my sister and her boyfriend only got their place last year. She wanted to know who had it before them. I said I didn't know. She asked me my name. I said I was Alice. She started going on about the big snowstorm we had and being stranded before the plows came in. My hubby drives a truck. He couldn't get out to work for a whole day. How about your sister and her boyfriend? I said, yeah, but I wasn't concentrating very well on what she was saying because she had a big mug of coffee and the smell was doing my head in. All I had before I left was that popcorn and hot water. Also, in the other cup holder, she had a big, fat muffin in a paper towel. <laughs> it looked like it had raisins in it, or maybe chocolate chips. I had to sit on my hands <laughs> to keep from grabbing it. She, sat, she saw where I was looking. Skip breakfast, did you? Help yourself to half. I divided it up. It was blueberries, not raisins. I tried not to stuff my half down. She just laughed. Break me off a piece, Hun. and you can have the rest. I don't need the calories. Felt really good to be in that car, the heater going, food in my stomach after so long, the windshield wipers going back and forth were almost putting me to sleep. Maybe I did fall asleep. It didn't seem any time before we were coming into town. You look all done in, she said. I can take you home. Where do you live? I was suddenly terrified. I have to get to school. So she took me to school. Since it was way past nine now, nobody was around. I was opening the car door when she grabbed my arm. Alice, hold on a sec. I tried to pull away, but she had a good grip. You're a nice kid. You wouldn't run away unless you had good reason. But think of your poor parents. They must be out of their minds, worrying. I should take you right to the police. I got one foot out the door. I was at my sister's. Yeah, right, she said. You're not gonna level with me, are you? I have to go to school. I'm late already. Okay, okay, don't freak out. Just sit back down for a sec. When I did, she reached in her purse. I'm going to pretend I believe you and let the school worry about it. But here, take this. She pushed a $20 bill in my hand. I pushed it back. Thanks, but I don't need it. I still had $30 of my money left. Take it, please. I'll feel better. And then she reached into her bag again and pulled out a sandwich. So I took that and said thanks very much and thanks for the ride. I never expected her to be so kind, even if she was nosy. I could feel her watching me while I walked up to the main door of the school. The Grade 1 windows had little kids' pictures stuck up all over them. Somebody's lost mitt was floating in a puddle. A couple of grade 8 kids were smoking on the sidewalk across the street, but they didn't pay any attention to me. I hadn't been thinking I'd actually go in, It was always somewhere to tell her to take me. I figured once I got out of the car, I'd decide what to do next. But I had to go right in because she was still parked, not moving away. At least nobody was in the hall because I was late, so I just walked out of sight of the door and stopped. I waited a bit and after a while she drove away. I didn't have any idea of what I was going to do, or where I was going to go. But now I'd gone in the school, it seemed normal and safe. I knew it wasn't really safe because as soon as the teachers saw me, they want to know where I'd been. They call my parents and probably the police. Only, I didn't have any other ideas. Maybe if it had been a nice sunny day, I would have had more imagination, but it was cold and windy. I didn't even have a note. I went to the washroom to write one. But while I was washing my hands, a couple of girls came in. I went to the toilet, into the toilet to think of what to write, and one of the girls knocked on the door. You came there, she asked, so I had to say yes and come out. I headed for the stairs to go to the other girls' washroom on the second floor. I walked like I had permission, so I wouldn't get asked why I was in the hall. First, I ate some of Leora's sandwich, ham. But then I got my note written. Sorry, Jewel has been away for ten days, but her grandmother died. The funeral was yesterday. Signed, (laughs) Celeste Morant. My gran lived in Quebec City, not Montreal, but that didn't matter. That time we visited her. Gran was old then. She might be dead by now anyway. (laughs) When I came out of the washroom, I got a surprise. When I was sneaking past the room that was my classes, the door was open, but nobody was inside. I was standing there looking stupid when the art teacher, Miss Waldy, came along. You look worried, she said. I don't know where my class is, I told her. I only got to school now. I had to go to the dentist. <laughs> Miss Waldy is young and nice and doesn't worry much about rules. There's an assembly on. She looks sort of guilty. I should be at it, too. Come on, we'll both go. I followed her to the auditorium. We sat at the back. The principal was showing a video about Syrian refugees and how our school could help. There was pictures of kids, little babies even, living in tents because their homes were all bombed. I tried to pay attention, but I couldn't concentrate thinking any second some teacher who wasn't like Ms. Waldie would come over and start talking to me. The bell went for recess. I went to my locker with everybody else. It felt weird to be doing it. All it had in it was my gym shorts and t-shirts and some books and old paper. I put my pack in and got out some stuff for class. Then I went to the <coughs> office to hand in my note. I didn't have to give it to the secretary, just a grade 8 girl. She stamped it and put it in the basket and gave me a permission slip. I didn't have to talk to her or anything. When I walked in my class, some kids turned around and looked at me, but nobody said anything. I sat in my regular seat and kept my head down. Except then, Mr. Bronson said... Oh, Jewel, you're finally back. Did you check in at the office? And I said yes and gave him my permission slip, and he put it on the clipboard. He didn't ask me for anything else.
3: <laughs> so
0: thank you. And you just heard uh, Maureen Garvey launching her latest book of uh, uh called uh, nearly invisible at novel idea bookstore on september 18th and again that event was emceed by shelly tanaka who thank you you heard at the very end there Uh, i do have a few messages or minutes i guess i should say to share some calls for submissions and uh, upcoming events Uh, and i think what i'll do is uh, do the events in the second hour maybe and uh Share some calls uh, in the first hour here, because there are quite a few of them getting close to expiring, at least. Uh, Before I do that, though, I do want to thank you for having tuned in in the first hour of today's two-hour show. And uh, just a heads up that uh, each hour of every show uh, will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after I get home uh should be within an hour after the show ends. And uh, that will be at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. And I uh, hope you can stay tuned for the second hour because I'm going to jump into a uh, number of open mic readings. So, uh That'll be fun to get back into those. I've had to put them on a back burner, and they will go on a back burner again as I try to get through a number of book launches to air pretty much through the end of the year, I believe. So, first, some calls for submissions. Uh, Just a reminder that Catherine Hernandez, who is the 2018 fall-term writer-in-residence at Queens, is only here till the end of the month. And so... uh, if you want to get in touch with her, you can be a university student or a community member in the Kingston area uh, and like to make an appointment with her, please contact her in advance. Here's her email address, theloudlady, a one word, at gmail.com. And uh, there is a call for participation for a workshop at the Modern Fuel artist run center and uh, that will be held on it's called marketing in the arts uh, when it will be held wednesday november 28th uh, from 6 to 8 p.m at modern fuel that's in the Tet center and uh, uh trying to page through here the part of it is going to discuss uh, it says discuss a crucial question how can you sell your work without being a sellout so uh, it says registration isn't required but please contact their email address info at modern org if you have any questions again the uh, Tet center in uh, the modern fuel artist run center is again in the tent center on the third floor if you've never been there at uh, 370 King Street West, so right beside the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts as well. I don't know that I've announced this call on air yet, but it is running out on uh, November the 30th. It's Youth uh, Projects for Juvenus 2019, and I'm reading a quote here. It says project submissions for this year's, this coming year's uh, Juvenus Festival project submissions will be open from, it started actually November 9th and will run through the 30th. And uh, trying to find, uh, I believe the all's I have for them. They do have a Facebook page, so you can check it out there. But here's also their website: uh, www.juvenis. That's J U V N I S Festival, one word. Ca. And again, going back to Catherine Hernandez, uh, again, who is the 2018 fall term writer in residence at Queens and just about outgoing at this point, but she's still here for a couple more weeks. So. Uh, She also has a call out for research for her next novel called Crosshairs. And uh, that is uh, what she's asking for. Anyone who would like to conduct confidential interviews uh, that have survived some sort of genocidal campaign. Again, uh, her website, if you want to check that out, catherine H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z, com. But again, I believe you can, yeah, I know you can contact her as well for that. And I'm going back to her email address, theloudlady at com. And I'm paging through and watching the clock and see if I've got time for one more here. Uh Jumping ahead. And you know what? Uh, I th- I'm not finding anything that expires in the next week or so. So I will definitely have hopefully some time next week to also go through uh, to catch us up with uh, events that are coming up. For the remainder, I guess it would be the last week or so of November. Hard to believe that it's already that late in the year. And uh, there are a number that will expire in December. So uh, more towards the end or middle. But I will definitely have a list of those for you next week. And again, we'll try to get into some of the events that are coming up uh, at the end of the second hour, so do stay tuned for that. And speaking of it, uh, welcome to the second hour of today's show. It's 5 o'clock. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon uh, from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And I just noticed one thing here that uh, there should have been something come in here right before the top of the hour. And I didn't see it. So I'm just going to go ahead and run that now. So here's this, and I'll be right back. And welcome back. Uh, and uh, just I've already introduced the second hour, so let's just tell you what's going to happen here. Coming up in this second hour... And as I mentioned, trying to catch up with more readings from the And the Journey Continues Monthly Open Mic Reading Series. Going all the way back uh, here this evening uh, to the September 4th reading, you'll hear in this hour readings by Joan Satchwell, Mickey Lee Webb, David Wright, Kai Pierce, Sarah Emtej, Anne Graham, Bethany Knapp, Brent Raycroft, Jenny Marshall, and... uh, Morgan Chen Yi and Sasha Hill. This first, though, always the hourly announcement. Occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but all is played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the integrity of both the author and the piece. And let's see here. Coming up uh, first, I'm just going to get rid of something that was in the way here. Coming up, uh, and uh, I guess I should say I will have a few minutes at the end of the show uh, again to hopefully share uh, some of the at least uh, most pressing upcoming events. So we'll try to get caught up at least through the end of this coming week. And again, with so many book launches uh, and other events this fall, I've had to hold back from readings uh, from uh, this and the Journey Continues monthly open mic reading series longer than I'd like. So we're going to try to catch up a bit here today and pretty much, I believe, clean up the September 4th and the Journey Continues uh, open mic readings that evening that haven't aired. So I've aired some much earlier Without further ado, up first here is Joan Satchwell. Up next, Joan Satchwell. Spray her up.
10: Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. Uh, The first poem I'm going to read is called, it's the name of a deserted city in Sicily called Pestum. Pasta. I remember, oppress the heat, silence, remains of an ancient city. A cluster of temples, an amphitheater, no longer sit amid bustle. No breeze stirs in the flattened, yellowed grass as I approach. My feet crunch on a path. I'm alone. I stand in my red linen dress. It's noonday, and tall columns throw short shadows. I walk toward one temple and step up. Ruthless now, temple offers little shade. My gaze rests on the capitals high above, worn around the edges over the centuries, still retaining a master's touch. I picture the masons working in this heat. Their expertise with chisels and hammers, ropes and pulleys. My hand stone pillars hewn and formed by sunburned calloused hands 25 centuries ago. Their fingerprints palpable. The next poem is called Invitation. A sunlit afternoon you arrived unannounced i followed your lead to the river drawn up on the bank below a canoe gleamed with adventure you'd had a long hot walk to the canoe club without a word we set off upstream our strokes finding a rhythm our relationship hadn't looking for shade We ducked under low branches that stretched out over the water, the city's soporific streets forgotten. In silent delight with ourselves and surroundings, we rested and bobbed, our paddles across our knees, and shared our hopes for the future. You were going to college that fall. I chose employment. The river forked. It, it's slow, relentless. We paddled as one against the current. At the club, we pulled the canoe back on shore and walked home hand in hand. The next one is called the goldfinch. Our first visitor, in a swoop of yellow, he lands. Orange claws clutching the feeder. I hold my breath, waiting his approval. A peck, a small, another peck. I exhale. His painter mate shoulder checks often, but can't resist the urge. Caresses like fish in green depths leave no trace behind.
0: Joan Satchwell, let's give another hand. And you just heard Joan Satchwell in uh, her reading uh, on at the September 4th and The Journey Continues uh, monthly open mic series at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, here is Mickey Lee Webb. Up next, Mickey Lee Webb. Let's bring her up. Okay, I have a few poems to share with
11: you tonight. Um, This first one is untitled. My dreams are tacked to a bulletin board that hangs above my desk. Every now and then I look up and wonder if they'll ever drift down and become, or if they'll remain still, a piece of paper trapped, pinned on a piece of cheap cork, next to the Wi-Fi password, a beer coaster, postcards, and a picture of my dad and I after a fishing trip. Besides words from long-dead poets, Mantras, sketches of Tolkien's mountains, and a quote from C.S. Lewis scribbled by my sister. A radio show buzzes about the importance of names when I look up to see mine on the wall next to my dreams, but perhaps never to collide. This next one is called Little Nothings. This is nothing. That's all it is. All it was. But what do you do with nothing when it is so much of a something? when a nothing is still memories, touches, quick looks, fast hearts, small feelings. What do you do with all those little nothings rattling around in your head? Uh, This next one is called The Sculptor. We didn't fit together, so I started cutting away pieces of myself, the curves and the softness to fit your hard lines and corners. But when I saw that you weren't sacrificing the same, that you weren't softening. Despite watching me disassemble myself for your sake, I stopped, and I turned back to gather up the rejected pieces of me. I tried to stuff them back into place, but nothing really fit right again. So I discarded them instead, and decided to grow new life into old places of ruin. This next one is called Bliss and Cure. My dear, you are my Sunday morning bliss and I want to be the sunshine dripping into your eyes and heart, a warm honey kiss on your soul. Warm and sweet, a balm for the wounds of the past, a remedy for the mistakes of the future. You are my Sunday morning bliss, and I want to be your Tuesday, Friday, Monday, Saturday, Wednesday cure. Uh, This one's a short, untitled one. It's just one line that I wrote a little while ago, but I absolutely love it. Kind of reminds me of Ezra Pound, just a little bit. Under the dewy trees that baptized me with their leaves, a face in the dark. This one's called Train 650. Heavy like humid shores, I've been wading through you and me, swimming through the air, trying to breathe. But suffocating never felt so lovely. And this last one is called Stretch Marks Are Stories, another short one. The silver scars of my hips rippled under your fingertips. They're just a record, I say, of growth, my past, and the strength of today. A despised staple of femininity, I choose to embrace them instead as a sign of infinity. A constant decoration on my pale skin, and a reminder of where my body has been. Thank you.
0: was Mickey Lee Webb. Let's give her another hand. And you just heard Mickey Lee Webb in the September 4th and the journey co- uh, continues reading in that monthly series. Up next from it, here is David Wright. Up next, David Wright. Let's bring him up. Noisy,
6: interesting, engaging, provoking, endearing. Words, thoughts, looks, silence. Frustrating, infuriating, baffling, awkward, mysterious, quiet. I cannot look her in the eyes. If she sees me, she will scream a horrid scream. I run and hide from everyone. My appearance is loathsome and treacherous as a cockroach. If she sees me, I know I will have breathed my last breath. I am like the cockroach. If I am discovered, I will be exterminated and tossed into the trash. My life is an inconvenience. Other people have no respect for me. Who would respect a cockroach? Who would think him capable of love? I am in love with the smell of fresh sweet bread in the morning, and it is almost as beautiful and as passionate as the woman who makes it. I am in torment, love bound by the beautiful baker's daughter. I see the men who come to buy her bread, envious, like me, for what they cannot have. She smiles, she banters, she flirts. She takes their money and gives them bread, but her heart is hers. I am an enigma trapped in a a small, such a small body. If only she could see the real and true me, kind, Loving, my heart is large. When I can stand it no longer, I show my heart. She holds out her hand, metamorphosis. And then the last one. Her eyes are kindness engulfed in light. Her words are soft and gentle. Her way with people is sweet and beautiful. Children laugh in her arms. I love her selfless and humble heart. Beautiful from another world. Her smile lights the room. She moves with grace toward me, and gratefully I receive her kiss. Thanks.
0: What's well, David right? Let's give him another hand. Yeah, and you just heard David Wright uh, in the September 4th, and the journey continues uh, open mic reading in that monthly series held at the Elm Cafe. Up next from it, here is Kai Pierce. Up next, Kai Pierce. Let's bring him up.
4: Good evening, everyone. Uh, I have four poems tonight. The first three are pretty short. So this first one is called Ships. It would not be easy to leave you in the summer, lover. Your hands feel so at home in mine. I am so at peace beneath you, my dusk superimposed on your dawn, eternal twilight romanticism. What will remain is the glow of two suns passing like ships in the morning. Maybe meet again. This one is called Garden Arch. So this one and the next one are kind of me working through the same thing. So they're kind of similar. When you go, what will become of the gardens that I planted in the spring of our love? Honey, I will let them grow as they must. I hope they will serve as a memorial to this, our summer, spent in one another's warm glow, not at its loss, but its end. They will serve as a meeting place for when our paths intersect again. Meet me by the rose bushes any time, attending to the paintings with a pot of cap ready. already. This one is called Birdsong. The sun is rising and there is birdsong dancing in between the panes of my flower-shredded bedroom windows, laying, dozing here, amongst the wildflowers of our hearts, listening to bird song above the traffic of the limestone, just audible above the crickets and the cicadas. Galaxy hands, we are in the dog days of our summer, our ships still coasting on summer seas, but in just five days, you change course in search of Lyra, and I'll stay mine in search of Corvus, the same stars with different worlds. Buy the bird and use a song without one another galaxy hands we are just two ships passing in the morn so our paths are clear though a future may not be honey the oceans are only so large if we keep sailing these seas chasing our dreams we are bound to meet again on different tides in other times but under the same moon born of the same stars and so after writing those three columns i didn't write for quite a while but the other day I wrote this, it's called Ocean Heart. Shifting in and out of last, my heart fluctuates like the tides. On this angry, gray morning, there are waves beating at the coastline, both within me and beside. A coming storm commanding this ocean heart as it commands the lake, this great, gray inland sea beside me. Galaxy hands, I said goodbye to you by the water, Fighting tides that wanted to consume me, but the lake, she only swallowed my tears, she soaked up all our sorrow, and she raged hard against the land at the injustice of this, this gray raging morning. But my heart, that rages still at the loss of you, my moon, my stars, my galactic lover. But what can I really claim has been removed from me? when your love has filled me to near bursting. Could I I have ever grown deeper, bore more fruit, bloomed more brilliantly if this had been any other way? We have the most beautiful of love stories that nothing can take that from us. Galaxy hands, I feared that when you left, I would be, be unable to find myself in the wreck of us. While the seas are rough, today in your wake I am still sailing still navigating my life on the waters of this, my ocean heart. Just beyond the horizon, I can still hear your music and the songs you wrote for me. The birds sing your melodies, carrying them by wing over waves to leave them on my windowsill with scraps of candy. I will go on knowing that what the water takes, she will always return, that this is not goodbye forever. It is goodbye for now.
0: Everybody, let's another And that uh, was Kai Pierce in the September 4th and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that series. Up next in it, here is Sarah Emtej. One more reader before the break. Let's bring up Sarah Mt
12: first one uh, I guess right now I'm calling it golden antlers there once was a sir with a desk and a pen and a sensible clerk who resembled a wren do you fancy a think? said the clerk to the sir and the sir replied thus, in a cloak of faux form. No, I don't give a fancy for figments nor figs, neither ferns in a crevice nor gold-antlered pigs. We have business, you see, to be busy about in practical matters of produce and gout. But then, from his desk, from the uppermost drawer, could be heard the faint grunt of a gold-antlered boar. Uh, This next one is called Fiddler. I lumbered down my kitchen stairs, and a bright-eyed gnome was standing there like a gargoyle from the bridge. But he was very meek and full abashed, and full of beef and full of mashed potatoes from my fridge. And I frowned just a little at the pilfering fellow, till he pulled out a fiddle and played me a tune. And I laughed, and he left without even a word. And where he's been since, I have never once heard, but I'll always remember that, too. Uh, And we have one last one, it's called uh, Prairie Giant. There's a giant on the prairies. You can see it round for miles, but you'll need my cousin's telescope to catch its crooked smile. They say it came down from the Rockies, but no one really knows why it chose to walk way out here where it's open and exposed. Some folks are kind of scared of it. Some folks are just annoyed. Some folks are rather curious, and that's mostly me and Lloyd. His uncle let us use his truck, but we didn't tell him why, because we're off to get a closer look, and Lloyd's aunt is sure we will die. It gets bigger as we drive along, and now it's filling up the sky. And I'm not so sure Lloyd's aunt was wrong when I see it up so high. Now it's hiking slowly eastward, gonna take its own sweet time as he carefully methodically steps over Hydro Lines. And I'm not sure if he sees us here, or whether I wish he could, but I feel real quiet and funny, and not at all like I thought I would.
0: Sarah M. Tish, let's give her another hand. And that was Sarah M. Tish in the September 4th, and the journey continues. Open mic reading in that monthly series, again, held at the Elm Cafe. Tell you what, uh, we took a break that evening uh, right here. We're going to take a break here in this reading this afternoon now so I'll be right back after this
3: do you like to dance tune into the hustle with dj bolt every friday night between 11 p.m and midnight
13: where you'll hear all the newest dance electronic french touch booty bass ghetto deep and tech house remixes and more
1: Let the hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on four to the floor Fridays, only on CFRC 101.9 FM.
4: Since 1922, CFRC Radio has been the campus and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener-supported and listener-created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on CFRC.ca. Support locally created media. Learn more at CFRC.ca.
1: Do you like waffles? Do you
13: like waffles on a Saturday morning?
6: Do you like things that are good and dislike things that are bad?
13: Then you should listen to Waffles.
6: Every Saturday morning on CFRC 101.9 FM from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m.
8: Everybody likes waffles.
9: I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400
0: kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The
9: future is on your table.
5: Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org.
0: And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM, located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's uh, Queen University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, and we do uh, stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And just a brief mention, it kind of nudged me to do this after hearing uh, uh, just the i think it was the third promo or a third uh announcement up uh, from the end of that was uh, just about the 1922 uh support uh i just want to thank all of you who uh over the course uh while it was last week uh two shows here because it ran from the second through the ninth who called in and uh supported us in our uh funding drive that week and uh I also, I really wanna thank you for your support. Uh, For this radio station, which in turn is support for the show, if you're listening to it and enjoy listening to it. So thank you very much for that. And I also did want to, uh, because it was outside the funding drive, and that's fine, too. Some people uh, can't uh, or just uh, aren't available during the funding drive or forget about it or whatever. But I had two people actually come up to me this week and uh, both give me uh, funds this week uh, for that drive. And so I just want to sh- give a shout out to Hugh and Beth Marie uh, both for helping support this radio station. So thank you. And let's go ahead and we're going to jump back into uh, the September 4th and the Journey Continues open mic reading. Up next, here is Anne Graham. Up first, Anne Graham. Let's bring her up. So um,
14: some people may have heard two before because I'm reading about autumn and seasons. So this is Autumn 2014. This is not my first poem about autumn. I live in hope it will not be my last. The rich colors move my heart with gladness, toned by the thought of winter coming fast. My tree that I love outside the window, shaken by the wind and rain, makes me cry. We have shared so much this spring and summer. I mourn as I watch each leaf fall and die. I call to my tree as I watch this scene. Hold fast, mighty tree. Dig your roots down deep. Remember how spring always comes again. Rest well, mighty tree, grow strong as you sleep. He shakes his branches and reaches to the sky. You too, he says, we both need to be strong. I need you to see me in spring next year, as we are both in the place we belong. Yes, it definitely is autumn, but the harvest has been stored away and the seeds secure to use a springtime day. So I am well content with the warm sun-drenched days. The way this summer went, walking and talking with the (coughs) trees, calm sleep, energy spent. Yes, there were raging storms, wild wind drenching rain, lightning lit the soul, thunder shook the spirit. Shattered dreams made whole. Yes, I am well content the way that summer went. Autumn gives me time to prepare for winter and drink the summer wine. Seasons. The leaves and I are both fading. Autumn creeps slowly into place. The summer sun is fast paling slow and steady, winning the race. Spring teaches what I need to learn. Summer fills me to, to rip, repletion. Autumn warns and winter's return, and winter wears me to depletion. The season's changes are known well. Getting old also has its themes spring, summer, and autumn have flown, and now winter persists in my dreams. I need to make winter my friend, hibernate and hide from the cold. Then I'll be stronger at the end, be ready for spring to unfold. And this one, sometimes I go a little crazy, and when I do, I go back to my roots, which are from Lancashire, so this is a kind of a crazy thing that I wrote this morning just in a rush so forgive me (laughs) I think I'm going to call it air mail that winter is coming oh I'm going to do it in Lancashire sorry about that that winter is coming gives me the chills I refuse to let it happen this year it brings us the flu and all sorts of ills impossible you think be of good cheer I'll throw a map of Kingston in the air and chant, fly fast to Antarctica, fly. Tell Winter we've gone and we're not there. Tell Winter's too hot and the snow won't lie. Tell Winter we don't want him here. Tell him it's just not convenient now. Tell him that skiing was never my game. You can't shovel and hunt a snowplow. If he comes... Then we won't participate. We'll ignore him and we'll still go swimming. We'll make him look silly and acclimate, wearing snow boots, snow suits, boots and gloves. We'll be winning. Oh, no thanks, nurse, I don't need a hitting pad. Yes, I'll take my pills and be quiet. It's just that winter makes me feel bad. May I go and take this kite?
0: And fly it. Roseanne <laughs> Graham, let's give her another hand. Yeah, that was Anne Graham uh, from again the September fourth, and the journey continues. Open mic reading up next in it. Here is Bethany Knapp. Next,
2: Bethany Knapp. Let's bring her up. Good evening. Uh, Thanks a lot to Bruce and Grace for having us tonight. I'm going to be sharing three poems and they were all written in spring 2017. Um, Can everyone hear me okay? Okay. Um, And they're all traveling poems. So the first is Being a Tourist and it's uh, entitled Auschwitz. Or Auschwitz. Um, Thumb thrusts fate. Work, work, death. It matters, time. Walk to where the tracks, halt. You'll know when you get there. And the sun has to struggle through smoke. Rain taps my shoulder. Weighted drops. I look around to see who's summoned squinting through 72 years, and I see the still young trees whispering in, into the storm. The second one is titled Moscow to Warsaw. It's a plain poem. The sun passes left to east. Shines and glides through the woods' neath settled divots dug by farmers on the outskirts of a city. Above. Watch our air move upwards, towards a break in the cloud ceiling. Smooth, unswum, we race to it and gasp the top, sucking ears, popping on the way to Warsaw. And the last poem is called March from Yaroslavl. and it's a train poem. Dollhouse homes, mint, purple, all the brown hues, muted in paintings. Train runs under blue ceilings, Lurch aside rotted churches, gold-dipped domes, boxcars, sway between birch, barren glinting northbound highlights. Slim and white, black and banded, bruised and melting, stretching springward, Chilling early air into a cold, muzzled mass as we leave the town and slip into a sprint. Big cities become grey cotton.
0: Bethany Knapp, let's give her another hand. And that was Bethany Knapp in the September 4th and The Journey Continues Reading in that monthly open mic series, again held at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, here is Brent Moore. Up next, Brent Moore. Let's bring him up. I just have one, and it's called Elephants Die Alone.
5: A group of elephants is called a herd. A collection of bats is called a cauldron. An array of angsty teen boys is called a brood. High school sports players are called jocks. The distinct smell that comes from a pile of preteen jocks has yet to be given a precise moniker. A batch of ferrets is called a business. Now, it's none of my business, but the image of ferrets in suits answering emails and attending to customers seems like a good idea for a poster in the dentist's office. <laughs> Many lapwings is called a deceit. I've never seen a lapwing, nor do I even know what one looks like. Or maybe I've just been deceived. <laughs> On casual Fridays, the ferrets all wear golf shirts and colorful socks and leave the office early with pep in their stem, but they still smell like ferrets. A group of crabs is a consortium. Plenty of parrots is a pandemonium. White people who work overseas are expatriates. Anyone else who leaves their country is an immigrant or a refugee. People from Phoenix are Phoenicians. But what do we call successful men who act disgracefully? Women who give birth after 35 are geriatric mothers. But don't ever use that term outside of a medical context. A person who kills someone in battle is a hero. A person who saves lives is a hero. A long sandwich is also a hero. If I'm hungry and you bring me a sandwich, you are my hero. <laughs> I shit you not, a plethora of porcupines is a prickle. A collection of lobsters is a risk. The game risk is to board games, what the mick Lobster is to seafood. An array of squid is called an audience. Does that mean audiences are made up of squid? Sometimes creatures are exiled from their group. Sometimes elephants die alone. Not all communities have the capacity to love every member. But if you search, you may find your tribe, one with a distinct flavor, not unlike a pile of jockstraps. Thank you.
0: With Brent Moore, let's give him another hand. And that was Brent Moore in uh, September 4th, and the journey continues reading uh, in that monthly series. Up next in it, here is Jenny Marshall. Up next, Jenny Marshall. Let's bring her up.
13: Okay. The first poem is based on someone that I knew in high school, and before I read it, I just want to say that she didn't tell somebody about this situation. And as a result, her life turned around 360 degrees. It's called The Gorgeous Girl. The gorgeous girl, with all the friends, comes to class. My ear, she bends. My eye is black. Yes, it's true. I'm a klutz, what can you do? Her father is a businessman. The townsmen think that he's just grand. Behind closed doors, he's such a brute. Beats his children, there's no excuse. Now I'm going cheer it up a little bit. Uh, this poem is called, I Think Not. The human condition crops up like a crash, A kajillion genes rolling around revealing our numbers. She is unfettered, he is deeply mired. The rest of us are degrees along the continuum. Are we merely victims of predetermination? I think not. Take control. Learn to steer. Find your tribe. Live. Learn. Love. Peace to you, my brother. Peace to you, my sister. It is time to create your own human condition. Thank you.
0: Jenny Marshall, let's give it another hand. And that was Jenny Marshall in the September 4th, and the Journey continues uh, reading in that monthly series. Up next in it, here is Morgan Chin Yi. Up next, Morgan Chin Yi.
15: poem is called Ward Sea these are the lost and found minutes when we wandered into one another locked in the dilated caves soul upon soul I beheld none and all in some of you while iris deep in flooded promises where raindrops made of seconds and salted sea fell forward poured outward left two by two and set sail past the shore into your horizons I wonder why we were arc-bound yet ocean-free, yes, why did you let your eyes so rest on me? I traveled through your mapped-out contours, the sun glimmered lines traced by my ship's shadows, that led us to these uncharted depths of you and me, me drowning within you, caught in the waves of your cupid's bow, still anchored to the gaze of your heart's sea, we swayed with the water's currents, following the exhaled wings of warm. Can you keep passion a sunset red and not see envy green and hold your breath between? But my compass told me your south was north and we found ourselves not in each other. I can't read my already. <laughs> oh, watch these red sea-stained lips part as the Mariana Trench divided in that minute. I knew you and didn't know you discover the treasured chest without a key because oysters don't exist for pearl necklaces and the monocular functions with distance for i am here and that's where i saw you become he in all the ages this can never be these are the lost and found minutes where i forgot that the flood was my world destroyed and remember that the saltiest sea is dead for I will rise in the east as you set in the west, 40 further days and 40 further nights. Waving goodbye to our oceanic routine, for my end is your beginning and these ends will not meet again. Unfortunately, some moments do not wash out like chlorine, as if they had not been. And this last one's really quick. It's called um, Winter Will Not Kill Us. I heard you call yourself wilted, a self-portrait of beauty in decay find yourself traveling from life to death, from vibrant colors to darkly dim gray. But darling, I beg to differ. There is living water you must taste and see, because we were made to blossom and draw from the only source that will restore summer in you and me.
0: Let's give her another hand. And that was Morgan Chin-Yi in the uh, September 4th reading in The End. The Journey Continues Monthly open mic, and uh, this will be our last. I know it seems quite early in the hour yet, but this will be our last poet uh, that you'll hear this afternoon. Here is Sasha Hill. Next, Sasha Hill. Let's bring her up. Hello,
16: everyone. Um, Please bear with me. I am using some technology to help me. Um, Okay, one second. So this is a song I pulled from YouTube called Chill Smooth Guitar Rap Beat, uh, producer uh, by Syndrome New 2018. You got me feeling Wouldn't want life easy, fighting anxiety by keeping busy Got me sick to my stomach, throw you a party when I throw up Confetti party balloon animals grow up, finger pain in my memory of you But this paint by numbers got me counting calories till I see you So I don't look too tight in these too tight jeans fitting onto the cafe walls cause I never fit in thorns in my side, but I'm not a wildflower. If my ego could grow any taller, fitter in a ten-story building, hitting her head on the ceiling, think I'm wigging out. Haven't shown you the real me. Maybe I should bring her out. Bring her out. Thank God. I threw her out. Garbage day, Sunday school, always learn something new. Bells ringing in my head, these voices be shrieking. Can't ever let it go. Snowstorm rhyme on my eyelashes, and I'd still stick my tongue on a frozen pole so I wouldn't have to say my real name in the face of glory or Gore. See both in a lake-like reflection when I let her go. Loose on this noose, fruit loop eyes popping out of her skull. Candy-like brains oozing from her nose sugar-coated smiles when i let her go innocent frivolous time spent lavishly feeling perfect when you look at me that kind of victorious secret feel of standing ten feet tall in riggedy heels man you give me all the feels don't want to get meshy just a quick seshy go fish go figure eights around your wrists we both know this won't last for eternity but drinking that elixir like it could spitting origami paper masterpieces and now you're looking at me like i lost it staring back at you dumbfound it gotta be stupid to do this selling flavor of the week is mid-swirl on your lips when you swirl your tongue between my hips yeah, we just got real intimate. Didn't know I would talk about my hips, but they don't lie, and I don't either. Not on the first date at least, not the beauty, more of a beast, greaser, Sandra D. look like a nice girl, well actually, matter of factually, I never aced a spelling bee. A-A-R-D-V-A-R-K King Arthur gave me the chalice I wanted keys to the palace So I could put my feet up Feeling like I never grew up Living in my mama's house My head in the clouds My room is the night down Wear my crown to bed And stars never fall asleep on me They be shooting my brains All over the walls constantly So I gotta scrub Clean my dreams Off of the walls And put my paintings In the closet Count them all up All of these thoughts Racing through my head Hundred meter dash Till I see you What's up? Nothing new. Just been thinking of you. Do you disapprove? Proving myself worthy by getting up early, feeling surly when you gross me out. Hands groping the rope around my waist. Been chased since that day. Make no mistake, I'm not the takeaway dish. Not miss. Take me out to the cafe booth where we can make strong eye contact and have a latte or two a little later, just don't leave me by the wayside, cause my insides will rot like fireflies burning up the sky at night in twilight fantasies. Murder mysteries always thrill me. Remember when I warned you put red flashing lights up along my brow at night? So when I get angry, you shouldn't cross me. Even with these crooked candy teeth, I still forget how to smile sweetly. Thank you guys so much. (laughs)
0: Sasha Hill, let's give her another hand. And that was Sasha Hill in the September 4th, and the journey continues. Open mic reading in that monthly reading series, again, held at the Elm Cafe. And again, final performance you'll hear this afternoon. There were others yet, but... uh, They were too long to try to get in uh, before the end of the hour. So I'm going to do this instead, and then I'll be right back uh, and go through some upcoming events.
17: The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136. The Youth Diversion Program is a charitable organization which has offered service to youth in the Kingston area since 1974. The goals of the organization are to allow youth to take responsibility for their behavior, to reduce the number of youth involved in the young offender system, to reduce the number of people victimized by youth in our community, and to involve the community in youth corrections. The Youth Diversion Program believes that all members of our community have the responsibility to provide all youth with the opportunity to develop and grow to their fullest potential. They work in partnership with the community to develop quality programs to assist youth make positive changes in their lives and at the same time take responsibility for their actions for further information call 613-548-4535 or email info at youth com.
0: and uh you are listening to finding a voice here on cfrc i do have a few minutes here and there are a number of things going on this week even so i want to get into those uh but uh, i would like to uh again thank you for tuning into the show today i'll do this first and that way i can just share events right up until six o'clock uh well until 559 i guess I just want to thank you, and you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carithas Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And again, uh, do it every hour. Just want to remind you that... uh, uh, this show will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends at Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. We'll remain there for approximately four years. And I'm going to throw this in here, too, right away and coming up right after this show, right at the top of the hour, six o'clock. Uh, please stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music and a show called Saltwater Music hosted by Rob Carnell. And again, I do want to thank you for tuning in today and just want to get that all in so I have time for it and not enough time because I'm looking and reading through events here and not paying attention to the clock. So let's go ahead and jump into this uh coming up uh tomorrow let me double check yes tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m uh it's a kingston front neck public library their kfpl uh talk uh series uh they've already had uh, one of uh one of the talks about uh what i'm going to tell you in a second here but there is one coming up tomorrow At their Sydenham branch, the one earlier this week was held at the Isabel Turner branch. I'm just going to read from their uh, posting. It says, Nowadays, many Canadians forego marriage in favor of living common law. Their reasons are many and varied, but one similarity is that often couples have misconceptions about their rights and obligations. Uh, it says the law is confusing and there are differences from one province to the next. So there's going to be a local lawyer, Paul G. Andrews, who, they, who is an expert in family matters in a program called Formalizing Common Law Relationships. Again, that's tomorrow at uh, the Sydenham branch of the Kingston Front Public Library. Check out their website, www.kfpl.ca. It has started uh, Started on the 15th, started last night. Tone Deaf uh, is a Kingston festival of adventurous sound performance. Uh, this autumn's uh, performances will run from November 15th through Saturday, November 24th. Check out their website, com slash tone-deaf.org. Slash, I think I got that right. They also have a Facebook page, so you can always find Tone Deaf eas- easily there. So, coming up Monday night, triple book launch and reading, Invisible Publishing. Invisible, I think it's just called Invisible Publishing now. We'll be bringing one Toronto and two Vancouver authors for a triple book launch. Again, this will be held at the Novel Idea Bookstore. Uh, Susanna M. Smith. Uh, will be it's a poetry fiction hybrid. Uh, Chazia have Hazev uh, Ramji. Sorry, I just really mispronounced that name. Uh, has a book of poetry and H B Hogan. Uh, I believe that is the person from Toronto. The other two are from, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, their book is of fiction. Monday, November 19th, 7 to 9 p.m., Novel Idea Bookstore, 156 Princess Street. Coming up Monday night as well from uh, Doors Open, 7.30, and the event begins at 8. Uh, Monday, November 19th at the Grad Club Cupsi qualifier. It's their final qualifier slam. If you remember, uh, they've already had the first two rounds. This will be judging from those ten competitors, the five that will... Uh, compete as part of the Queen's uh, Cupsie team down in uh, Houston, I believe it is, this year. So I know they need an audience. They need uh, scorekeepers. And uh, so there's also an open mic that's open to both university and community members. So uh, check that out. That's also Monday night. Uh, there is uh, the next in, uh, I'm going to announce this, and this will be the last one uh the this coming uh, it's the third wednesday of each month uh series hosted by ann graham and held at the kingston unitarian fellowship hall from 2 to 4 p.m uh it is a uh the series is built as laid back and usually fun and uh, they also offer also offered each uh session is scheduled time to write from a given prompt of the day so it's a Poetry and prose Sharing and Possibly Writing uh, uh, Group. (coughs) So check that out. It's at the Kingston Unitarian Fellowship, side door, 206 Concession Street. That's this Wednesday, November 21st from 2 to 4 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in today. Stay tuned for Saltwater Music at the top of the hour.